Hello and welcome to another SPAC Insider podcast. I'm Nick Clayton, and this week my colleague Marlena Haddad and I will be speaking with Garrett Smallwood, CEO of WAG. WAG entered into a $350 million combination agreement with CHW Acquisition Corporation in February. It has created a marketplace for connecting pet owners to dog walkers and other pet services near them that works like Uber, except for our furry friends. We talk about WAG's strategy for stacking predictable revenue streams and how the company aims to translate the short-term challenges of the pandemic into a long-term boon. CHW co-CEO Jonah Raskus also joins to discuss how WAG stands out among the growing cohort of listed pet services companies and which important aspects of its business model investors should keep an eye on. Take a listen. So Garrett, we've seen a lot of industries radically changed by the pandemic, but pet services is one that I bet not many people point to. You know, for one, a lot more Americans have pets now than they did going into the lockdowns. But at the same time, the sudden work from home phenomenon also changed some of the usual dynamics of what WAG was probably used to. So just, you know, what were some of the challenges and opportunities of these last few years brought for you? Yeah, so you just take a step back. I think the pandemic introduced a lot of change and also a lot of growth for pet parents. So few important points. One in five households adopted a pet during the pandemic. So it's like 23 million new plus households in the U.S. that now have a pet. It's insane. Everyone got a pandemic puppy, right? Or a cat. We skew a little bit more toward pets or puppies. But uh, that's point one. Point two is those who had pets, I think, spent a lot more time with them, right? Like when you're stuck inside wearing a hazmat suit and you can't go out, the thing you look forward to all day is probably a dog walk right? Or like getting outside with your pup for some fresh air, maybe even your cat. So I think people ended up learning a lot about their pet's needs, when they like to eat, when they like to play, how much activity they need, et cetera, et cetera. And so while our business was certainly a headwind business, as a reminder, WAG is the number one premium pet platform in the US. We help pet parents across the country with things like on-demand dog walks, sitting and boarding, drop-ins, you know, finding the right pet insurance, et cetera. You know, what we've seen in the last kind of six to 10 months is this kind of slingshot forward of the business as people resume normal. So and you have a catalyst of people learning their pets' needs. You have a catalyst of people adopting a lot more pets. And you have all these people going back to normal, right? When you're at the date night uh, and you want to go see a movie and your pup's home alone, what do you do? Like this is a first time problem in, in more than two years. I think it's just really an interesting conundrum for these new pet parents and existing pet parents. Yeah. And, and for Jonah, you know, from a timing perspective, we've seen SPACs involved in a number of different plays involving companies that were impacted by the pandemic. So I mean, what did you see in WAG that really stood out as a high upside opportunity in the here and now? First and foremost, taking a step back, we were always thinking about uh, businesses that were growing and growing quickly. We were thinking about businesses that were very strong in their category and overall had a strong category. We were excited about uh, businesses that had a strong potential, uh, as you said, both now and as well as in the future. Um, as we were uh, looking at a number of businesses, WAG really checked a lot of the initial boxes that we were looking at, right? So they're growing and they're growing extremely fast. Incredible category that they're in. Uh, the pet category, as Garrett was just alluding to, is a really strong category, has a really strong uh, CAGR. And uh, we, we like it a lot because we think kind of no matter the ups and downs, especially as there's some discussions around a potential recession, that, you know, consumers always need to care for their pets. Pets are part of the family, and that's incredibly important to us. You know, just generally, we have been very bullish about this sector. We think there's also a number of competitive advantages that are within their overall diversified uh, marketplace. So for several of those different reasons, uh, we've been incredibly excited about, uh, about the overall WAG story. And especially also, last but not least, 
certainly not least, the WAG management team was one of, if not the very best management team that we've met across our entire landscape. Um, and that we think that is a, is a huge difference when you think about different businesses that are out there. And a number of things also began changing with the company once you took over as CEO, such as headcount, product offerings, and you guys now have a subscription service. So I just want to talk about that subscription first. What exactly has been your strategy around pricing that and how sticky has it turned out to be? You're right. I took over the business as CEO Man, it feels like a decade ago. I think it's been like two years, a little over two years. Uh, a lot has changed, let's put it that way, in two years. And, and I think first, first and foremost, when I took over the business, our bread and butter product was the on-demand dog walk, right? Like that is kind of what WAG is famous for. 5,300 cities, all 50 states. If you need a dog walker in less than a half hour, like WAG probably has your back, right? The platform is just incredible. We help people do that. Kind of like how Uber democratized access to black cars. That was kind of what we were famous for, but dog walking. And so I think priority number one was making sure we're delivering a consistently delightful experience with the platform. Priority number two is to diversify our product offerings and get more share wallet. And what makes walking so special is it's really sticky. So the average WAG pet parent is using WAG four to five times a month. That's like every week right? They're booking a service to the WAG platform and they're using WAG to take care of their pet. And so what we thought was, well, if you're already that sticky, a subscription should be a no-brainer, right? Like you should be able to roll into a subscription. That subscription should provide, should provide a bunch of value, kind of like an Amazon, right? Like you, if you're going to shop on Amazon, you're going to subscribe to Prime. Like I know I am. And so um, that was our original thesis. I think we published in Q1, like more than 45% of pet parents are subscribed to premium now, which is incredible. And in terms of pricing the subscription, which I think was your second question, um, you know, we thought like, where is the band? So if an average dog walk might be 20 bucks, kind of where are you in that band of pricing that you feel comfortable rolling into a subscription as a no brainer? And we found it was about $10. Could be a little bit lower, could be a little bit higher, but about $9. It's $9.99 right now. And it's, it's like a no brainer for pet parents. So subscription is it's made the platform really, really sticky, right? Like it's just another reason to, to be engaged. Got it. And then on the product side, you've already seen pet wellness and health advice become a greater part of your revenue share recently. So what other opportunities do you see among those products? Yeah. So if you, again, if you think about like where we started versus where we're going, it's very obvious that the humanization of pets is here to stay. Like I, I love my dog, Toby. Like he's like a member of my, I have two kids. I really have three kids, right? It's like Toby and my two daughters. And so I think a lot of people feel that way about their pet. And so health and wellness is then a very, a very obvious category. You think about like, well, is my pet have the best insurance coverage? Do they have the best wellness plans? Do they have the best veterinarian? Do they have the best access to the veterinarian? And I don't know if you all have tried to go to a veterinarian lately in the US, but it's, it's, it's gotta be the most busy gig right now. Like everyone is taking their pet to the, to the vet and it seems to be a mass shortage. So for us, health and wellness was just very obvious when talking to our customer base and kind of our, our personal needs. And I think that that will continue over the next five years, pretty obviously. You can imagine things like, what are you feeding your pet? What vitamins and supplements might they be on? Are you getting them the right medicine when they have allergies? Believe it or not, pets have allergies. They have hip and joint issues. They have all kinds of crazy problems that just like we have. Flea and tick meds, right? So I think we could continue to kind of push into the relationship you have with your pet, how you take care of your pet and increase AOV. And you've seen it with LTV. Our LTV in the last three years, I think is almost tripled. And that's a function of just capturing more of the wallet. And then geographically, where are your operations primarily now? And where are you hoping to expand? Are you looking to go international at all? Yeah, so unlike most people, I'm still in San Francisco. 
I love it here. Now, um, but the business is, uh, the platform is available in all 50 states, 5,300 cities. I think more than, I, I think more than 94% of the U.S. population has access to the WAG platform. You know, pretty, pretty credible coverage. Like there's services happening in Hawaii and Alaska, just like they're happening in New York City. Um, and I would just say all markets matter, right? Like all markets are important to the business. And, and, and generally the way we think about pet parents are we're going after the premium pet parent. Like I'm a premium pet parent, right? Like premium pet parents have probably used DoorDash or Instacart. They've probably heard of and maybe own a Peloton, right? They probably have used Airbnb or Uber. Like they're part of this kind of next generation of marketplaces. They maybe have an iOS device. They use Apple Pay. Like they're pretty tech savvy. And so they all matter. And so frankly, like we're going anywhere the premium pet parent was. And we generally think depending on the city, 10 to 20% of pet parents in that market are premium. And so we focus on the local network effects of capturing those premium pet parents. Meaning, you know, I think like WeHo in LA or Soho in New York City. Like once we get a few pet parents, they tell their friends, we get more coverage in the neighborhood or the building in New York. And then like more people sign up and you get like this natural virality. And so we think a lot about kind of the, the local network effects of the platform. Great. And, and kind of on the margin side there, you know, you're getting into all these different product categories and we haven't even mentioned all of them, but I'm sure not all of these products are equally profitable. Were there any types of pet products or services that you looked at incorporating and just opted not to because it just didn't seem like the returns were going to be there? I mean, absolutely. Right. If you, I think what makes WAG so beautiful is there's 400,000 caregivers that operate on the platform and they're all, they all love pets. They literally like love pets. If you ask them why they want to participate in the WAG platform, they're like, I get to walk a dog at two o'clock in Soho. Like, would you rather deliver Chinese food at eight o'clock on Saturday night or walk a golden doodle at two o'clock in Soho? I know what I'd rather do. It's like gotta be the best gig in America, okay, in my opinion. And so when we think about opportunities within the WAG platform, we wanna take advantage of the fact that we have this incredible marketplace. We have software-like margins because we have no CapEx really, right? There's no, you know, our fixed costs are pretty low. They're really, it's a gig. So like we take a service fee on the gig. And so we have this like marketplace that's, just, it's really a software platform and we want to maintain those software-like margins. And so things that are super high CapEx or like have insane labor costs are not particularly compelling to us. So I don't really want to launch a distribution center to sell premium pet food. Like that's not my thing. My thing is launching digital services and products on the platform that people could take advantage of. And so we've really leaned into those things. So for example, we operate one of the largest pet insurance comparison marketplaces in the web, right? If you want to find pet insurance, we've got you covered. We operate WAG wellness plans. We have telehealth. You could talk to a pet expert 24 seven through the WAG app. These are all really high margin, simple, distributed digital products and services that keep our margins really high. And as a result, all of our service, our, our services are contribution margin positive. So like we don't have, we don't, we're not losing money on markets or services. Uh, we're really just leaning into marketing. Great. And somewhat similarly for Jonah, not too long ago, there weren't a whole lot of listed direct to consumer pet products companies, but now there are a handful to look at. And so, you know, what can you tell us about the things you saw that you thought WAG really stacked up competitively well on? And, and what are some of the metrics you think are just important to look at for anybody sort of looking at the sector? Yeah, well, WAG is, is shaping up to be the number one pet well-being marketplace. As we were going out, uh, we were thinking heavily about health and wellness. Um, that's been an overall trend and an area of continued growth in the overall markets. Um, we think um, it will continue to 
uh, expand. I mean, consumers coming out of COVID care more deeply than ever before just about their well-being and as a result, their pets' well-being, right? And where we really fell in love with the business model that Garrett and Adam and their full board is really thinking through. As we know, WAG started out as a walking business, right? But it's so much more, right? It is a business about, as, as you heard Garrett allude to, it's about pet insurance. It's about chatting with your vet. It's around the whole health and wellness of your pet. And we also really like that it's diversified, right? So, you know, you've got different types of marketplaces that's going after just one vertical, one area, one specific niche. We really have been incredibly impressed with how this has been building out into a much broader tool to be able to really offer and be the one-stop shop for consumers around their pets, specifically on the phone, as well as also online as well. So that those were kind of a little bit more of the reasons about this particular marketplace. And then there's so much more that can be expanded on this marketplace, right? Um, you know, I, I want kind of investors and future kind of consumers to be thinking about this is the place that you go and kind of get all your pet needs for eventually out, out of WAG and out of the WAG team. So that's how we've been thinking about it, how we've been really impressed, and really excited about this team and this overall product. Great. And that kind of brings us around to the deal itself a bit. And so, you know, for Garrett, what was your process like in determining what WAG's options were and, and why did you ultimately decide to go with the SPAC route rather than, you know, more private rounds or an IPO? First and foremost, we had a lot of options, right? Like it's a consumer marketplace. People love incredible brand. Hopefully you guys both knew WAG before I had to talk to you about it. Right. Most people I talk to know WAG. It's pretty incredible. I'm on calls with investors like my kid walks on the WAG platform. Oh my God, I use WAG. My dog loves WAG. So most people know WAG. We have a lot of options. Obviously, our business was, uh, you know, a headwind business during the pandemic. So I think we kind of had to wait out the pandemic, frankly, before we wanted to make a bunch of choices. And we had three choices. Could have raised more capital, to your point, in the private markets. Could have waited for a traditional. Could have done a SPAC. We really like the SPAC for a few reasons. Although, you know, you could argue that SPACs are not what they used to be. Uh, I kind of feel like Jeff Jordan taking an open table in 08. Like, it's going to be good. Good businesses are good, but you know, it ain't, what it, it ain't what it used to be. But SPACs are nice because one, it's fast and efficient. The process has been pretty quick uh, for what it's worth. Two is you get to create an incredible level of transparency. And if you have a good repeatable business, that transparency is rewarded. And we think we have a good repeatable business. If you look at Q4 and Q1, we beat what we said we'd be. I never want to like the top 5% of performing SPAC so far in terms of just giving guidance. And then three is finding the right partner. And frankly, like we like CHW. We think they're a great partner. I don't think we would have moved in this direction if we didn't find someone we like. Kind of a no-brainer for us. And also for Garrett, what benefits do you see WAG taking from the CHW team moving forward? Take a step back again. I, I think just being a public company first and foremost is phenomenal for consumer trust. And if you think about the WAG platform, it's really just a platform of trust. Like with DoorDash, and I don't mean to rip on Tony, I love DoorDash, I use it all the time, but you're just delivering food to the front door. Like WAG, literally you book a service, 75 plus percent of the time, no one is there for the service. And so you have a caregiver on the WAG platform going to your house, putting a harness on a dog, taking that dog outside for like an hour, and then bringing it back, taking the harness off, making sure everything's great. Like the level of trust is through the roof. And thank goodness our NPS for pet parents is like 60 to 70. Yeah, you know, we have 11 million plus reviews. The average rating is like 4.96. So like we've done a phenomenal job of delivering a consistent experience. But just to be clear, being cut public, I think puts you in the next echelon. You establish even more trust with the consumers. That's priority number one. And priority number two is like the CHW team has a bunch of consumer experience. They have a bunch of marketplace experience on their board. So that's been somewhat helpful. But generally, I just think like first and foremost, being a public company is phenomenal for brand and for trust. Can you talk a bit more about that? Specifically, what benefits of being a public company are you most excited to leverage? 
I'm going to tell you, I'm excited for, a, okay, just take us again. I'm just pumped to be public because we actually have a repeatable, durable business. The average pet parents you're seeing four to five times a month makes it really easy to model out the business, right? You have a subscription product that people are paying, 45 plus percent of people are opting into. Again, like you just, you kind of know what consumers are going to do. And if you're, if you think, which I hope you do, if you think that the pandemic's going to slowly roll off over the next four to eight quarters, Everyone's going to go back to normal. Our need is so obvious. It's ridiculous. Like we should have every tail when you can imagine, right? So if those things are true, being a public company is great because you have a bunch of tailwinds, you have a phenomenal product that people love, and you get to access the public markets in terms of currency, debt, and other options. So all those things are phenomenal. And I generally think, this is my personal opinion, growth investors have taken all of the retail returns for a long time. Like that was all the money was in PE and growth in the last five or 10 years. And we're suddenly like, hey, we're going to give it back to the street. Right. Like, why not? Why not give it back to retail? Why not give it back to the street? So personally, I'm kind of excited about being a public company that maybe isn't, you know, we're not a snowflake, but I think there's a huge amount of upside still in this business. And so being able to partner with these investors who are long term believers is really exciting to me. Totally. And as you're mentioning, you know, both with SPACs and this kind of the current market, it's not all 100% tailwinds right at this very moment. But at the same time, SPAC insiders listeners are, are, are pretty savvy about this stuff. And, um, and this transaction has a number of features that align the interests of CHW and WAG and the teams over the longer term. So do you get into that a little bit, Jonah? Because as we know, not all SPAC deals are alike, but I think it always bears mentioning some of those features. Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, um, it was really important to, across the collective team to put a portion of the founder shares into earnouts and to really align our interests. And those interests are aligned at uh, three different price points, $12.50, $15, and $18, where myself, Mark, specifically are aligned and working with Adam and Garrett and uh, the board of WAG to really just work on increasing, obviously, the shareholder price. Uh, because at the end of the day, what, what everyone here is incentivized to do is um, to increase shareholder value. Really, that, that's number one priority, right? Uh, number two also, and you know, we've been incredibly impressed by this, um, is the full WAG board has been incredibly supportive. Um, and they are some of the earliest and biggest investors in this, in this vehicle, and in, in WAG specifically. And they're rolling 100% of all of their equity into the deal. And they also, furthermore, also invested specifically into this transaction. So I think those are some of the initial kind of, um, kind of key points that I would highlight and specifically mentioned as it relates to um, just aligning overall interests and just the bullishness of how we all collectively feel about this business. And, and can you also just give a quick update in terms of the timeline of the transaction moving forward to sort of as it stands now? Yeah, we submitted our S4 in March. Oh man, I think that's right. It feels like, feels like a decade ago, huh? Uh, submitted our S4 in March. We're going to the SEC, nothing surprising to us. I think nothing that expects us to be surprised on process. I think we're right where we expect to be. I think we're, we're there. We're close. I think it's going to happen pretty soon. Great. And I noticed that you also put out your first quarter earnings just a few days ago, and it looks like it's already been an exciting start to the year for WAG. But what is the thing that in this pet care space that you're most excited about moving forward, Garrett? I have to pick one. You're giving me just one, Marlena? (laughs) It could be Uh, a few. Okay. It definitely was a great Q1. I'm not complaining. Phenomenal start to the year. Okay. And if you look at where we plan to be, we're far ahead on both top and bottom. The thing I'm most excited about is A, the pandemic rolling off. I like going out. I like traveling. I like airplanes. I like the movies. I'm excited to live my life. And I think a lot of pet parents are excited to live their life again. Right. Point one. Point two is I think a lot of people have a newfound trust in these digital solutions. And that's spearheaded by products like Airbnb. Right. Like, Five years ago, no one wanted to stay in other people's houses. Now everyone wants to stay in someone else's house. 
I think that's generally like the consensus for these products and services is like, oh, it's like, there's a new level of trust for these consumers, especially post pandemic, right? You're kind of like, I'm ready to live my life, let's do it. And I think WAG will benefit from that. And three, I think the thing we've seen is people are now more mindful of their pets than ever before. Like there's like, not only are there more pet parents, but they're taking better care of their pets. And so not only do we publish our Q1 full business results, we also publish our LTV of what we're seeing in 2022. And it's like our best performing cohorts ever. And to be clear, our 2021 was better than our 2020 and our 2020 was way better than our 2019. And so for our cohorts to continue to improve so dramatically is exceedingly bullish for the business. And so I think that's just a function of people caring about their pets more. Yeah, that was something I actually wanted to touch upon too, just because you know, you dabbled in so many different categories. It seems like you're doing well and, and everything you really kind of stuck both feet into. You know, how do you balance sort of the, the different options in terms of as you're you know, adding categories to the portfolio? I mean, it seems like you've, you've developed these organically well, but especially with being a public company, M&A becomes a little bit easier to do. You know, how do you, do you see M&A in your future and, and would you use it as, for category expansion, geographic expansion? Kind of what's your, what's your sense on that? I like all those things personally. I mean, look, I'm a victim of M&A, good and bad, like been a part of a lot of companies that have sold, been a part of a lot of successful venture-backed businesses. Um, so I understand the value of M&A, especially in fast-growing businesses. To your first point, I think we've been really diligent on what the pet parents' needs are going to be and in conjunction with what they are today. And as we roll out new products and services, there's like natural product market fit. You see that in when we roll out sitting and boarding and cats and drop-ins and 60-minute drop-ins, all those things just kind of worked. And it's because like we intimately understand our consumer base. Two, and in terms of how we think about being public and putting the currency to work, I certainly would be lying to you to say I wouldn't be excited about being a public company and being, putting the currency to work, especially in this environment. I think everything is reset in pricing, which is a buyer's dream, right? I think I can get mega mansions for like a buck now. Like it's just a phenomenal time to be buying businesses, especially businesses that are not making difficult choices. Like two and a half years ago, we made a lot of difficult choices in terms of headcount and right-sizing the business and offices and retail and snacks. And I think no one is ready to make those decisions. No one in this generation has made those decisions. And so I'm particularly excited about buying businesses that are great, that maybe need a little bit of cleanup, buying businesses that may be international and have been severely depressed, and then just buying businesses that can help us expand categories and reach. And again, I think it's gonna be a phenomenal time over the next six to 12 months. Great. Well, I'm, I'm sure the doggos are excited. It certainly seems like a really exciting category from our standpoint and, and an interesting deal. We've gone through things real um, nice and quick here, but, I, but thanks so much, both of you, for being on. Oh, thank you. We appreciate the time. It's a real treat. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, everyone. It's been, it's been very enjoyable and appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak more uh, with your overall community investors about the WAG story. Mm -hmm.